This is BYU Sports Nation, brought to you by the BYU Store, simulcast on BYU-TV and BYU-Radio. Now, from Studio B, here's Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan. BYU Sports Nation is live, your day-to-day play-by-play in Studio B, presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Happy Thursday, December 9th. Wherever and however you're connected, always great to have you with us. I am Spencer Linton, teamed up alongside Ogden City, Utah historian, Jerem Jordan. So there's this running gag that uh, Utah State's in Ogden. I I think it was started by Boney Fuller, I think. Uh, So last night, Tijon Lucas played into that. He tweeted, great team win, hashtag safe travels back to Ogden. So Tijon's here for one year, but he has fully embraced uh, being at BYU. (laughs) Someone replied with a, a gift that said, one of us. One of us. Utah State tweeted out a couple of days ago, just landed in Ogden, and BYU fans jumped all over that. It was what? Was it football or basketball coming yeah, back? Yeah, football from coming back from the Mountain West Conference Championship yeah, win. Just landed they just landed in, in, Ogden. in Ogden. It's like, don't do that. Don't do it. And then there was <laughs> there was a dude on the strength and conditioning staff, the last name Ogden, I think, oh or boy. something. Or there was a Logan at Weber State. I can't. I can't remember. The dude's name was Logan Ogden. <laughs> Are you serious? Like it writes itself. Like, like heaven created this individual so we could laugh at the name like thirty years ago. That's incredible. For the record, I love both cities. I was born in Logan and I grew up essentially right next to Ogden, so I'm well aware. Yeah, but it's still fun. <laughs> Your Thursday show lineup can be seen live in Ogden, Utah, and all across the world for that matter. It features the latest social media revelation on the Kalani Satake coaching scenario and his pending extension with BYU. He's a man in high demand. What would your pitch be to him to make him stay with the Cougars? Plus, BYU basketball takes care of Utah State for a 10th consecutive time. Ten in a row actually did happen. Mm -hmm. Are the Cougars peaking right now in the metrics, or could it get better? Sharpshooter Trevin Nell will join us live. And have you ever been to Shreveport, Louisiana? No. The executive director of the Independence Bowl, Missy Setters, joins us to preview what happens in Shreveport around Christmas time and bowling for the holidays. Bring on today's BYU Sports Nation headlines. 11 overall seed BYU women's volleyball is in action right now in the Sweet 16 versus 6 seed Purdue. Cougars got blown out in set one, 25-12. Woke up in set two, winning 25-16, and currently in set three, BYU is up six to four. Let's go. We will keep you updated throughout the program. BYU is on, uh, you know, a 23-match win streak, 30-1, and only lost to Pitt, who the Cougars could potentially meet up in the Elite Eight with. Should BYU get past this match and Pitt beats Kansas, it's the ninth Sweet 16 for BYU in the last 10 years. Make it 7-4. Let's go, baby. Up three in set number three. As mentioned earlier, BYU basketball takes care of Utah State with a dominant home win, an 11-point victory over the Aggies. The 24th-ranked Cougars got 17 points from Alex Barcelo. Tijon Lucas added 14, and Caleb Lohner added this. The give-and-go. Lohner drives to the 10 for two. Takes the assist from Tijon Lucas on the right wing and hammers it home. It's a 9-0 run, 26-17. Oh, 26-17. That's a great score for BYU. That is, that is uh, a wonderful it? score for Brigham Young. The Cougars hit the road to face Creighton on Saturday at noon Eastern in South Dakota. Big-time matchup again. 
just maybe a win over uh, the Blue Jays will push BYU even higher up those metrics. Yeah, uh, Creighton looks good right now, but their net is not great. So, yeah, win that game and hopefully, hopefully the they Jays do pan well. out. Yeah, Toronto and uh, Creighton. John Canzano of the Oregonian, which I subscribed to as a kid, reports Oregon has talked to Kalani Sitake. He also said the Ducks have chatted with Cal head coach Justin Wilcox and two other candidates, one that is in the NFL. How about some football All-American news? Jacob Robinson, a freshman All-American from The Athletic. Campbell Barrington joins him in those honors from The Athletic publication as a freshman All-American. Clark Barrington, according to the Action Network, is a second-team All-American. Congratulations. Brothers Barrington, All-American, yes. Women's soccer finishes second in the final United Soccer Coaches poll. That's one of the most obvious things of all time. Also, Michaela Coulihan is one of three finalists for the Mac Herman Trophy Award, the women's soccer Heisman equivalent. She might win it. This is exciting. Coulihan had 18 goals and 15 assists this season. The young lady that injured Michaela Coulihan in the national championship is also one of the three finalists. And the lady that Coulihan got a yellow on back, <laughs> retribution in the second yeah. half, is the same player, right? Indeed. I don't know her name, number six, but yeah. BYU men's and women's basketball, according to the combined rankings, this put out by ESPN, have a ranking of number nine with the men at number 24 and the ladies, the program best at number 16. Of all programs in America, if you take those two teams, they have the ninth best net ranking of all athletic departments across the country. That is fantastic. I like BYU up 10-6 now. Woo! I like that too. BYU men, by the way, in the basketball arena, 8-1. The women, a perfect 8-0. They'll put that undefeated mark on the line against Oklahoma tomorrow. The man in the arena? Is that what you just, yep. you just That's promote kind of what show. I was going for. The men in the arena, right? And the women. All rise and shout. It's time for What's Trending. You're talking about it, and so are we. It's What's Trending on BYU Sports What's Nation. Trending presented by Bodyguards. Protection for a life worth living. Learn more at Bodyguards.com. As Jerem just referenced, John Canzano of the Oregonian says that Oregon has indeed spoken with BYU head football coach Kalani Satake about their job opening. If the two sides have talked, Jerem, what does it mean if we haven't really heard anything further after that social media revelation at this point? Well, the report wasn't interviewed. The report wasn't offered. Talked? Of course they've talked. Come on. Uh, yeah, that, that doesn't seem too smoky to me at this point. I'm not convinced that that's going to lead to anything. We've talked about it the last couple of days. We need to. It's a thing. But I believe Kalani Sitake will be at BYU. BYU just needs to... Hopefully, whatever they're doing, finalize it, and let's announce something, and let's move on. Let's go. We'll all read into this very deeply, and uh, I am choosing to believe that because we haven't heard anything else and we have not seen any other social media smoke billow out after this report, that's good news for BYU, that they're going to keep their guy. Kalani Satake is going to be in Provo and hopefully lead the Cougars into the Big 12 for many more years to come. So I'm liking that we haven't heard anything after that report. And we've also learned that Oregon is talking to a couple of other head coaches, including Cal's Justin Wilcox and another coach in the NFL. So, yes, Oregon, interview all of the people. Leave Kalani alone and interview the rest of the people. Look, either way, on September 17th, Kalani Satake is going to be on the sidelines for the BYU Oregon. No, don't go okay. there. Don't go either there. Way. Come I, on. I put that out last don't night. Don't go was there. Like, ah! All these gifts like, no. Can you blame them? It's, <laughs> it's too much pain. Yeah, too much pain. I say he's leaving. I just said either way. It's stating the oh, obvious, right? Oh, man. Yeah, yeah I, I don't. Listen, 
this this is what we want. I know it's a little uncomfortable. This this is what we want. We want the head coach and coaches at BYU to be wanted by other teams. We that means there's you great you to want him. Okay, but I ha- take him. I I don't like that song because when I was a, uh, in a, uh, about to be a senior in high school, I was trying out to be a student body officer at BYU, uh, at, BYU at uh, Copper Hills. And one girl chose to just sing that song, like no creativity whatsoever, other than just sing the song. Oh no! Okay, so she just she just sat there and sang that song. I'm, cring- and that was I'm it. cringing for okay? her it right was, now. It was hard to watch. In retrospect, she, I'm cringing. She sadly did not win, oh, um, based on the lack of creativity there. She's an incredibly nice person, but anyway, um, yeah, twelve six BYU by the way, set three, uh, tied one one. So not a fan of that song. I I think we want. BYU coaches to be wanted by other schools. That means they're doing something that's notable and interesting and relevant, right? If Lavelle Edwards was wanted, Bronco Mendenhall was wanted. Lavelle turned taken. down what? Texas, the Lions, like multiple jobs, yes. right? So he could make like nothing <laughs> back in the day at BYU. Like Kalani Sitake is going to be, he already is the highest paid employee of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. He's going to be the high, even higher uh, when this happens. I don't know what it's going to be like, but I'm hoping... If and when BYU renews Kalani on another contract, not the one in August that he signed through, what, 25 or whatever, but that that he's paid uh, competitively. What's competitively? We haven't talked about this. Probably around like four mil, dude. Well, a market value right now for a big-time college head coach, if you look at the biggest programs, I mean, oh, they're throwing well, out yeah. somewhere between ten, 8 and $10, ten million, mil, dollars, yeah. which we would assume that Oregon would probably throw that amount at whoever they offer well, the job to, they only, Kalani Sitake or otherwise. Cristobal was only making 4.6 a year, by the way, on average, of his like six-year six deal. Okay, So there, it wasn't massive. And there are typically, this is standard for all contracts, bonuses built into all of these coaches' contracts. Hey, like if you win the conference, we're going to give you this six-figure right. sum. And that is not – Do this. When you sign, though, that's not it's part not of part the part of the guaranteed. Number. Yeah. Yeah, listen, uh, Bronco Mendenhall, we know, made $3.5 million in Virginia when he was courted by that program to leave a year, a year. And it feels like that is what has to happen. Like at a minimum, right? At a a minimum to be competitive with not only uh, other schools that are courting Kalani, but also you have to be at least average in the big 12. And that would be about average in the big 12. It sounds like so. That's good. Okay, topic two. BYU's 21st in the net rankings today. The Cougars were as high as 20 earlier this week. Do you feel like BYU's already peaked in the net rankings, or can it get much better? It can get better because of what the other teams around BYU are doing, including San Francisco, who is one of the few remaining unbeaten teams in America, 10-0. Granted, they haven't played the toughest schedule, but their metrics are pretty good. They're a top 30 Ken Palm team right now, top 30 net team. And Ken, uh, Ken Palm, 34. 34, sorry. Yeah, still good. Okay, really good metrics. Yeah. Above St. Mary's. Is San Francisco a better team than St. Mary's? We oh. kind of scoff at that idea On because paper. it's never really worked out that way in the end. Yeah, if San Francisco makes the NIT, that's a good season, let's be honest. But it's good for BYU to have two games against San Francisco, two against St. Mary's, and certainly two against Gonzaga. When BYU beat Gonzaga in that remarkable 2020 run through the spring, they jumped into the top 10 of the net. It's going to take something like that again to beat Gonzaga for BYU to climb into the top 10 of the net. But beating San Francisco and taking care of business against the Dons and the Gales and even playing Gonzaga helps, right? That's how the metrics work. So I, I could see BYU climbing up to somewhere between 12 and 15 if they win the majority of those games against the elite-level competition in the West Coast Conference. 
and I'm excluding Gonzaga from that. Just play Gonzaga and then beat St. Mary's in San Francisco. Gonzaga even good anymore? They lost multiple games. Oh, come on. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I could see 12 to 15. Yeah, I th- I'm not sure how high I can go. 2019-20 was unique because BYU had UCLA and Kansas and Maui. They had Houston on the road. They had some really, really big well, games. UCLA didn't like, help them much that year. Like Creighton is not as good as we were hoping right now, uh, 73 in Ken Palm. We were hoping they would be like top 25. Well, right? and who knows what happens when they get into conference. Right. Uh, they're 7-2, and two, and the two losses are, are – uh, fine, right? Uh, Utah State 61. Like, BYU's best win is San Diego State at 46 in Ken Palm, right? So, like, San Diego State and Oregon need to be better. These are quad threes right now. Uh, that's not helping BYU a ton. All BYU can do is win, right? Utah Valley lost yesterday to Southern Utah. What was that? Um, hopefully that's a quad one loss. It's maybe not worse than a quad two if Utah Valley's good like they were last year, won the whack regular season, dot, dot, dot. Yeah, I'm not sure how much higher it can go. If BYU's top 20, that's great. Guess what? Every time someone plays BYU, it's a quad one game. It's a huge game for every opponent BYU plays because it's a resume builder. So BYU's got to bring it. Um, and, and I think BYU is. And it's been cool to see BYU figure out the last two games playing a big man who averages over 20, BYU's gone small with Caleb Loner, a four playing the five. They've started Trevin now a couple times, sent a Knight into the starting lineup. BYU's had to figure it out a different way, and they have so far, which is good. Now there's a new challenge at Creighton. This is a quad two game on the road at the moment. Hopefully it's a quad one later. Um, I, I, I like what I've seen from BYU. And guess what? BYU woke up. They made threes. Uh, and the other guys, if you will, outside A.B. and Spencer Johnson, who had shot well, they made threes. We knew they could do it, but it was nice just to, like, nail 11 last night and see that if that three ball's there, that takes this team to another Certainly. Level. We saw it against Oregon, and we've seen it against Utah State. And Central Methodist, which we barely count. The defense, for the most part, has remained. I know Mark Pope was a little concerned yeah. with a few defensive breakdowns last night, but that's part of figuring it out with a oh. smaller lineup, and they're still rebounding regardless of who's on the floor. No, no, no. Defense has been there every game. So, oh, UVU. You only give up 55 in regulation. <laughs> like, no, it's been there. Yeah, they didn't it's like the 71 every... that they gave up against Utah State last night and allowing always... Utah State to come back in and make that game close in the end. That's what I'm referencing specifically. Fine. It's, it's fine. It's fine. This is from the coaches. BYU hasn't give up, given up uh, you know, 72 in regulation. Are you kidding me? 70-plus once in regulation? No, that's tremendous defense. Let's go. All right, our question of the day as we move back to football. What would your pitch to Kalani Satake be to convince him to remain at BYU? A bunch of his players last night took to social media to voice their opinions. Yes, they did. Let's hear from you, BYUSN, in Voice of the Nation. This is the Voice of the Nation on BYU Sports Nation. At Jonathan Hawk answers on Twitter, Kalani, no fan base or group of players will love you more and support you more than Cougar Nation and BYU football. You are a BYU man through and through, and very few people, if any, can do the job as well as you. It's mm. a pretty solid, well-thought-out pitch. Yes, it is. Um, yeah, Kingsley Suamataia say said, we follow clients. Taki Mason Wake said something to the effect of, hopefully BYU gets this done. Caleb Hayes said, pay this man, BYU. Yep, yep. 20-16, to 16, uh, set three, BYU up four late. 
Tied at one apiece. Taylor Ballard Nixon has been bringing it from the service line. Okay. Another ace. One set apiece. BYU is five points away from taking a two sets to one lead over number six seed Purdue in Pittsburgh. Sweet 16. Let's go. Coming up, is being the highest ranked team in your bowl's history a good or bad thing? And BYU basketball sharpshooter Trevin Nell joins us to talk about his breakout performance against Utah State last night. Back-to-back games. He's been balling out. This is BYU Sports Nation. He's bringing in the swag. Look, man. This portion of BYU Sports Nation is presented by Bodyguards. Protection for a life worth living. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store. Official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Saturday, BYU Hoops travels to Sioux Falls, South Dakota. What's up? To face Creighton, if you're from Utah. Coverage begins with Cougar Pregame Live on BYU Radio at 11 a.m. Eastern. We are live in Studio B with your day-to-day BYU sports play-by-play. I'm Spencer Linton alongside Jerem Jordan. The BYU women's volleyball team tied at one set apiece with Purdue in the Sweet 16, but they are leading late in set number three. Last I saw, 21-18. That's right. Let's go. Four points to close it out. Take it it two sets to one lead. Get to the Elite Eight. All right, volleyball aside, now basketball in. We welcome sharpshooter Trevin Nell back to Studio B. BYU basketball, 8-1 and one on the season after beating a really good Utah State team last night with a bunch of guys that you know very well. Trevin, what's that game like emotionally for you to play in? Um, like I said last night, it's super fun. The atmosphere is incredible. And hands down to the Rock, they, we were just talking about it. But, Greg, I'm just letting you know that there is a free throw defense out there. <laughs> It's so tough to shoot free throws it into the tough. rock. It is tough. <laughs> 9 of 20, they start 0 of 6. And that really, like, you guys kind of had a 9 to 12-point lead. And, yes, it got down to 7, 69-62, and was real stagnant there for a minute. But the inability of Utah State to make free throws. And then the ability uh, to make three-pointers in this game was big. What was it like for you and the others to kind of get into a rhythm that way? You made three in the first half. I think it was a huge relief, you know. Um, T. John Lucas and Alex Barcelo. They always talk to me about, hey, the next one's in, the next one's in. You got to think like that. And even um, one of our coaches, Coach Figure and um, Bobby, he always tells me, he's like, hey, you never miss your next shot. And so that's just something they keep reiterating to me every single day. And that's helped me a ton, you know. And I told everybody, I said, today's the day. And, you know, it really showed. <laughs> mm, okay, I like that confidence. We're uh, In the pregame show, we are talking about, okay, right now Alex Barcel and Spencer Johnson have combined for 45%. Everybody else, 19 you guys are way better shooters than that, and we knew that, and it was just fun to like see it go down. What what role in the success of this team does three-point shooting have? I think it's a huge role, and the fact that we're winning games without it right now is huge. It's amazing. Yeah. We're playing great defense. We're rebounding, and so if we add that, we're going to be even scarier. You have breathing room. We have a little more You don't have room. to fight it out <laughs> to the last second. Yet. I think Not without it last threes. night, it's uh, you know a tight game at the end, mm-hmm. but you guys end up winning by 11. Exactly. Now, you told us on BYU Basketball Media Day that you had worked on a lot of things other than just three-point shooting, specifically your ability to score the basketball off the dribble, and we've seen that manifest itself with your floater and and your ability to do that, not just last night, but against Missouri State. Um, When you are knocking down those shots, does that help you three-point shooting? How does that work mentally? Uh, It works really well, you know, because now someone has to respect me off the dribble, and Coach Figure and I, we've worked a ton. We call it Figure Finishes. And so we do a ton of those little eight-foot floaters. He, wait, did he call this? Or you? <laughs> I think it was Alex. I think Alex started okay. calling it Figure Finishes. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so I think it plays a huge role, and it gives me a little more breathing room to be able to get a little more space on my three and 
once that first shot goes, it's it's a different ball game. It's on, you said that baby. last night. You said, different "Hey, look game. out if I make that first one." Yeah, it's as a we, different ball game. Take a look. Yeah, you're getting into the lane and getting kind of this eight to ten footer, which is which is awesome. Okay, um, starting the last two games, uh, what has that done for your confidence? Obviously, no Gavin. BYU's gone a little smaller. You're into the starting lineup. Yeah, I'm I'm excited, and it was a dream come true to be able to play and start in front of the rock and you know a huge atmosphere like that. Was that your first start at home? No, you had started before. right? I started last year, but it was okay. a whole COVID thing. Yeah, and yeah. So it was just different, and okay, it's definitely yeah, yeah. different when you have a full house. Yeah. Um, but Coach Pope has a lot of trust in me right now, and I have a lot of confidence in him. And you know, our whole team just trusts each other. So it doesn't matter who's starting out there; we just play together. Are you a pregame dap guy with the other team? Because sometimes it's like, no, it's on. We're not interacting with these guys. <laughs> but other times, like, hey, what's up? Uh, me and Brock, me and Brock said what's up to each other, but that was really about it. I was like, I'm only gonna say hi to Brock. <laughs> <laughs> it's on. It's it the spirit on. of competition. It's BYU. Yeah, I love it. What's the best part of playing as a nationally ranked team, number 24, right now? Um, you know, it makes us have to play at a certain level every single game because we kind of have a target on our backs. Every single game is a huge game for the other team, so it's like, hey, they're gonna strap it on. We gotta strap it on. And so it's, it really helps prepare us for a conference, for the conference tournament, and for the NCAA tournament when it comes. Okay, the emotions of the last eight days have been uh, varied, I imagine. Um, eight minutes into the UVU game, Gavin goes down. It's a raucous crowd. It's a road game. It's crazy. You lose that one. How, how did you guys rebound so successfully the last two games in two big games, uh, two quad two games? Um, I think the biggest thing we talked about was that we can't have excuses. And we look at each other in, in each other's eyes every single time when we break the huddle and we just say, hey, we trust each other. You know, if some other team goes on a run, we got to stick together. We can't have one person go off on their own or we can't get mad at each other. We just got to stick together and hold everybody accountable. And that's something we talked about before the Utah State game and the Missouri State game. And so it's kind of our little thing that we talk about and it's kind of becoming who we are. How do you avoid making excuses, especially when we find out after the fact that Five guys on your team are really sick with flu-like symptoms. Gideon George is not playing. How do you overcome that and stay away from the no-excuses mentality? Um, Coach Pope said it best. He just talked about it. He said, hey, the other team doesn't care if we're sick. You know, ESPN, the, the rankings don't care if we're sick. Nobody cares. So the fact that we can just trust each other and worry about the things that matter, the things that we can control, it kind of helps us not worry about you know, the excuses or the things we can't. Have you been to South Dakota before? I haven't, and I heard they have like four three-pointers up in the Pentagon. Up they there, they so. do. They have four <laughs> three-point lines. It's. Uh, I'm trying to think of why they would have four, of course. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't know why they'd have four. Is they, there a G League team up there? <laughs> maybe. I'm, I'm thinking high, yeah, high school, college, because women's lines the same as the men's now, same. right? Same. Yeah, um, and then NBA. And I saw a picture last night taken of a game or that was played there recently with four separate three-point okay, lines. Okay, I've always thought that playing on like an NBA court is is tough for a shooter because you're always going to pick that deepest line. Exactly. Like Like the you initiate the offense further out. Is that true? Um, our coaches always say, hey, that's not our three-point line. Mm. And they won't say to like certain guys because I'm like, okay, wh- wherever the farthest one is, I'm going to shoot probably another foot back. That's what I'm back. talking about. <laughs> so I'll shoot a little farther even yeah. from that Do line. Do you care? <laughs> <laughs> the deep threes, they, do they resonate differently? When you knock down a deep three compared to a three up at the line, does that resonate differently with you? Um, if I hit a deep one, I think my confidence is definitely going to go even more. Like higher, and I was even talking to Alex. I was like, "Hey, just because you miss a couple deep ones, just let that thing go." And he's like, "Hey, I got you. You just keep shooting for me." Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think it's definitely a confidence builder. And you know, once one goes, you know, 
anything can go. With this new rotational look of going small, um, this ha- kind of hey, we're not that small. We're not that small. <laughs> right, right. But I mean, like Foose is playing the five at like six, seven, whatnot. Mm-hmm. But like his reach is so long, you know. That. And Caleb's so tough, right, defensively. Um, you kind of have to make this sustainable. So mm-hmm. what? Because we don't know if we're gonna have Rich back at all. Um, what, what's the conversation like of, of like, okay, we have to make this work this season. And you'll probably have a matchup with Timmy and Holmgren where it's like, all right, you got someone that's a little undersized garden uh, McLovin shit Holmgren, you know what I'm saying? Exactly. Uh, you know, we pride ourselves on toughness and defense and rebounding. So if we're guarding somebody bigger or anything like that, we know if a shot goes up, we're not going to let that guy get it. And we'll let our guards or Alex or Tijon try to come and clean everything up. But our toughness is something special, and I think that we kind of showed that, especially in the Missouri State game and other games this season. But, yeah, our toughness is special, and these guys are, you know, we, we work really well together, and that's why we're best locker room in America. We can lose some guys and still be able to fight. This could have devastated the team. You could have lost more. You could have fallen out of the rankings. How did it not? I think we're earning a lot of respect right now from everybody around. And, yes, we lost to a rival, you know, a couple of miles down the road. It doesn't define us, and it's not anything that's gonna hurt us down the long run. But we're, you know, we use that as a huge stepping stone for us, and we we're not gonna let that happen again. And so we we figured out some things, and uh, something that we we're really trying to work on is our pace. Coach Pope always talks about our pace and how we need to, you know, fly down the court if we need to walk it up, and then go into our offense. So we, that's what we need to do. But you know, just trusting each other and that pace really helps. Trevin, I know you and all of BYU basketball are locked in on what's happening all around BYU athletics. We saw the videos of you watching the soccer team win at the College <laughs> awesome. Cup in the Final Four. That was really fun. You're paying attention to BYU women's volleyball. You're sitting next to us. They just won set three, 25-21. So Let's BYU, go. the 11 seed, is up two sets to one on the six seed, Purdue. You asked a great question, Trevin. You said, why is BYU women's volleyball the number 11 seed? After being ranked fifth. As high as number four at one yeah, point. yeah. It's because RPI sucks, Trevin. That, <laughs> Thank you. That's, that's uh, we've, we've a, pretty much what it comes down to. We've come to. a long way, Spence. <laughs> there were times where we bickered and fought over this. Thank you. Uh, you had to yeah. embrace it when it was there, but now that... No, I didn't. No, you I just don't. Not. I did not. <sighs> yeah, so seating, ranking is an opinion poll. Seating is based on, like, RPI and... Strength their schedule. But RPI you, sucks, then. RPI sucks, exactly. <laughs> In basketball, it's better because there's net, like... The NCAA worked with Google to come up with this sorting tool that's better. You guys are 21. Mm-hmm. Um, Ken Palm, you're what, 23 or 24? Things are going well right now. Things you're a top well. 25 team, man. Exactly, and we're top 25 in a lot of sports right now. And so that's something super cool. And like you guys just talked about, we were all super excited to watch soccer. Um, they had a heck of a run, and, you know, it was history. And we're all about making history here at BYU. Absolutely. I, this volleyball team, uh, early in the season, I said they're Elite Eight good. So I need them to win One set. to validate that <laughs> one set away. I'm, I'm with you, man. If not more, let's go. All right, Trevin, let's talk about Creighton. How much do you know about the Blue Jays at this point? I know you're going to dive in at practice and whatnot, but what do you know about Creighton right now? Um, so we had a lift at 8 a.m. this morning, and once we got done with that, we watched about 20 to 30 minutes just to film about Creighton, and they're a really good shooting team. They're probably the best transition team we've played so far, so they're really going to try to push the ball on us. Um, and their, their big guy is, what, seven foot? 
So we're going to be, a, again, undersized, but it doesn't really matter because we got heart, small. you know. <laughs> Not that small. Um, but, yeah, their, their four-man is actually super talented. We saw against uh, Utah State, their four-man, it was really good at hitting threes. Justin Bean. And so this is the exact same guy, kind of like that. Just um, He's a big guy. He's their leading scorer. So it's going to be a really good challenge for it's us. It's interesting you bring up transition because I know transition defense against Utah State and Justin Bean specifically was a big point of emphasis for BYU last night. So do you feel like in a weird way the Aggies are a great way to prepare for Creighton? It was a huge way because they're a really good shooting team. Almost our whole team can shoot it, and that's kind of like the same thing with Creighton. They are a really good shooting team, and so they're going to try to space us out, and, and they're going they're a really good passing team as well. So I think it was a really good way to prepare for this game, and you know we're just really excited for Saturday. Okay, Utah State's going out there in a week, by the way. Oh, to South Dakota. Yeah. The Pentagon, they call it? The oh, Pentagon. Like, Pentagon. Like the, the arena? It's called a four-line three. <laughs> <laughs> Four lines is weird, man. Yeah. Let's give you some BYU Sports Nation karma to take with you to the Black Hills in South Dakota. Uh, good luck against Creighton. We'll be watching, of course. And uh, congratulations on a great start thus far. Appreciate it. Good to see you, Trump. Okay, coming up, Independence Bowl director Missy Setters on how this matchup came about. And uh, we may have already answered this, but is The Rock the secret weapon for BYU basketball? Their free throw defense Release is elite. The secret weapon! This is BYU Sports Nation. Remember that in American Tale? Oh, I remember that. Bible. This portion of BYU Sports Nation is presented by Visible Supply Chain Management. On the latest Deep Blue podcast, I talked to Travis Hansen about his mom's influence on his life, playing in Spain and Russia, some fun stories about Russia. Being nicknamed Elder 8 Mile, listen to it on the BYU Radio app and where podcasts are I'm Spencer Linton, teamed up with Jerem Jordan. This is BYU Sports Nation on a Thursday to interact with the show. Follow us on our social media platforms, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok. Let's whip. Whoa, wait, wait. Let's We've already started the music. Let's, let's start, go. Let's, let's start go. out the Cougar Whip Round, presented by Visible Supply Chain Management, tackling America's most challenging shaping problems with an update from BYU Women's Volleyball. BYU is up two sets to one. They won set three, as we mentioned. Down 4-0. Uh-oh. Timeout BYU. Uh-oh. Set four. Okay, uh, for the second straight year, BYU football will be the highest-ranked team ever in its respective bowl. Is this a good thing? Uh, this is a moral victory. <laughs> this is absolutely a moral yes! victory. We did it. Yay! We're the highest-ranked team to ever have played in said bowl. I can see where it's bad. It's like, wait, what? Should we be in this bowl then? You know what I mean? But being an independent is what it is. You knew what I was when you picked me up. Well, in the independent schedule, we talked about this several times on the show, in a lot of ways with the eclectic group of teams that BYU plays against, it's kind of like a bowl game every week mentality. Like minus they, the swag and the mi- money. Minus the swag and, and the money. So it's December not a, destinations. And weather. And so it's not a bowl at all. <laughs> in matchup but, only. But the opponents are fun, right? Like, we like the opponents. The independent schedule has produced Most. so many yeah. fun, unique, first-time opponents. This is the first season where we've enjoyed the whole season because it hasn't been like, well, seven and six because over-scheduled. Nope, BYU met it this year, which is awesome. Man. All right. Moral victory there. <laughs> you sound so Moral excited. victory. Yeah. Moral victory. An actual victory here, Jerem. This 8-1 and one start by BYU men's basketball marks the best start for BYU basketball since – Jimmer's senior year in 2010-2011 when what BYU started 10-1. and one. Oh. Will this BYU basketball team essentially a decade later reach 10-1? and one? Not essentially, actually. Um, yeah. yeah. BYU's going to go beat Creighton, although that will be a very tough game. I could see that swinging either way. 
Hopefully BYU wins that one, right? Um, and then at Weber State, which is a quad one right now, by the way. That's an interesting game. A Weber week State later. lost for the first time last night. Mm, Randy Undefeated Ray. until last so, night. Mm, against the fighting whatevers. Uh, yeah, I think BYU will be 10-1. Let's go. What? Yeah, I have no reason to believe that BYU will not be tough enough to, on a neutral site, defend against Creighton, rebound. I feel like Creighton is, a, is essentially Utah State basketball. Like They, they play similar the to them. a better history. A better history. They were in the Sweet 16 last year, I think. Right. They were awesome. But I, I like BYU's chance because they rebound and defend. Rebound that basketball. How much credit do you give the Rock for Utah State missing six free, six free throws to start the second? They deserve significant credit. It is so hard to even like imagine. 700 plus credit score? What, even what are we imagine about? shooting free throws into that student <laughs> Look at that. section. It's crazy. And Utah State has good free throw shooters. I think it's what, 49 missed free throws this year into the Rock? Yes, it That's matters. Awesome. And Trevin Nell pointed out like when the crowd is quiet and then all of a sudden, like as soon as the player starts to shoot the ball, they jump up and scream. Like that <laughs> messes with you mentally. That is really tough to do. And yeah. so I give credit to The Rock. Greg Rubel, I know, says there's no such thing as free throw defense. With The Rock, it might be a little bit different. Yeah, I wonder if there is, right? Um, yeah, it's 6 nothing Purdue now. Ye- Okay, so um, get ready for a decisive fifth set. Perhaps. <laughs> okay, Perhaps. on to the next. Jerem, San Francisco men's basketball, currently number 28 in the latest net rankings. A top 30 team, ranked higher than St. Mary's. Do you believe San Francisco is really that good? I think that you're not 10-0 on, on accident. Um, I think they're good. Are they that good, meaning they're going to be like in the top 25 in a couple weeks? No. If San Francisco makes the NIT, that's like a banner year. San Francisco has not played Gonzaga, BYU, or St. Mary's yet. If they beat two of those three teams, BYU and St. Mary's, yeah, two wins against those three, then I will believe. Because right now their best win is against either Nevada or UNLV, and those are okay wins. Those are not great wins. They, They need to beat an elite team, and they'll see a few. In the West Coast Conference. Yeah, they they uh, you know they have the same amount of top 50 wins as BYU. One in Ken Palm. And then they have their 3-0 versus Ken Palm, or, uh, Ken Palm top 100. BYU's 5-0. Mm-hmm. So a different bit, a uh, little bit of a schedule. But don't get me wrong, they're good. I just think it, when the dust settles at the end of the season, they're not going to be in the NCAA tournament. We've seen this movie a lot of times. Yes, we have. A photo of Michigan head coach Jim Harbaugh. Ever heard of him? <laughs> With a missionary surfaced. Was it it Taysom Hill? No. Is it okay for coaches to recruit missionaries? If that photo had come out with Kalani Sataki in a missionary, or Kyle Whittingham in a missionary, everyone would blow a gasket. I have no issue with this. No, shoot your shot. Was he being taught the major college sports? Like, do your thing, whatever. I have no issue with this. I applaud coaches that are ambitious, and Jim Harbaugh is the definition of ambitious. I think it's great. I wonder if it was legal. Also, I wonder if it was at his baptism. (laughs) Coming up, (laughs) double down picks. It's going well for me. Can't wait for that. And the executive director of the Independence Bowl, Missy Setters, joins us to preview what is going to happen in Shreveport other than the actual game. It's good food there. This is BYU Sports Nation. Oh, yeah, baby. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. On the latest BYU Sports Nation right now, 
Kiki Solano is honoring the national runner-up women's soccer team for the historic season. Check it out on the BYUSN Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and Facebook. Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation live from Studio B, set four of the Sweet 16. 11-seeded BYU women's volleyball leading Purdue, the sixth seed, two sets to one, but trailing big in set number four. Yeah, 9-6. Oh! Just kidding. 11-3. Well, I was going to say nine, nine. Sorry, it's nine three. BYU's down six. It's now eleven to three. So okay. BYU down big. Not looking good. Fifth set. It may just go to a fifth. set. Fifth set coming oh, up probably. Yeah. Man. Okay. With that update, now we take you to an interview we had this morning with the person that knows the Independence Bowl better than most. She is the executive director of the Radiance Technologies Independence Bowl. Missy Setters two on one with BYU Sports Nation. Missy, it's great to have you with us. I think most BYU fans are wondering, one, yes, what's the matchup going to be like in Shreveport? But more importantly, what's the weather going to be like in Shreveport in December? Well, I'll tell you, the last couple of days have been a little cool uh, compared to what we've had. and uh, But I think bowl week is supposed to be in the 70s. And uh, some sunshine mixed with maybe a little chance of rain, but right now it should be warm. The 70s, that sounds amazing. Uh, I might hop yeah. on that flight with Spencer. That would be great. Okay, let's talk about the process of getting BYU in here. Obviously, BYU was contracted there, but the Cougars were hoping for a New Year's Six. Didn't happen. And then there was some talk of perhaps a different bowl game. Who knows? But in the end, it is the Independence Bowl where BYU was originally contracted. Anyway, so kind of walk us through what it was like navigating, getting BYU into the bowl game. Well, it was – I mean – Watching throughout the year, it was obviously exciting to see what a great program they have and um, watching the games and how dominant they were. Um, for us, it was a wait and see process if they were going to get into the New Year's Six. And so we were tracking that and trying to keep up with it. Um, looking forward to hosting them. We had some of their uh, administrators in in June of this year so they could go ahead and do an early site visit, sort of in anticipation of a quick turnaround for us once we knew who the teams were. And uh, so just keeping up with things as it, as it went along during the season and being prepared for just about anything. And then also, uh, you know, the benefit of having them in earlier in the year as opposed to trying to get them in this week to go through all the site visits. Missy Setters is the executive director of the Independence Bowl. She's with us on BYU Sports Nation. The Cougars draw the Blazers of UAB out of Conference USA were there any other teams that were close to taking UAB spot? If so, who were they? Well, we had scouted a number of teams from Conference USA throughout the season. We had uh, been to multiple UTSA games, uh, UAB games, and also Louisiana Tech games early in the season. So I think those three teams, and then when Louisiana Tech didn't quite get bowl eligible, we made some adjustments. But those three were on the radar from the start of the season as far as um, scouting them and getting a good look at them. Missy, was there any concern it wasn't going to be BYU? At, at first, BYU was uh, in the New Year's Six mix, uh, and then ultimately BYU did land in the bowl game. Yeah, of course. I mean, to watch them play and to watch, uh, like I said, how dominant they were throughout the season and the wins they were picking up along the way, uh, we were concerned with it. So where we stand in, in the bowl mixture, we, we're always looking at other options and other possibilities, you know, primarily for the last five or six games of the year, just being prepared. Other than the actual bowl game, what do fans need to prepare for and expect in Shreveport, Louisiana? Because you are the insider that can tell them where to go and what to do and probably what to eat. Well, first of all, we have great food. Uh, lots of Creole Cajun food, 
Uh, we're 15, about 15 miles from Texas. So there's a lot of uh, great barbecue, Tex-Mex, uh, Cajun Creole, just about anything that, that you can imagine. So it's typical Louisiana where you expect good food, good cuisine, and uh, everybody here is very friendly. And uh, we have a number of events lined up depending on when people are getting into town. And you can go to our website at independencebowl.org or Radiance Technologies Independencebowl.com to look at the schedule of events. Missy. We have a big game show that's coming up in uh, uh, next week. And that's where we bring in a group from uh, Atlanta to do kind of family feud style games between the players. <laughs> nice. And it's a lot of fun. It's really cool. And they get into it. You know, at first they kind of walk in like they don't know what to expect. And the minute the first question is asked and there's a winner and a loser, then it's competition. So it's on. And that's always a lot of fun. And the players really get into it and enjoy it a lot. And there's some audience participation, too. Uh, next to that, we also have the night before the game. We have our uh, we call it Rally on the Red, which is a combination of events. We have concerts starting at five o'clock in our Red River District here in the Shreveport side of the river. And uh, we'll have three different musical acts that night. And it culminates with Dan Smalley, who starts it at, I believe, eight o'clock. On the other side of the river, we'll have a mini Mardi Gras parade in our Boardwalk Outlets Mall. And uh, so that will go down the, board, the Boardwalk Outlets and then we'll move the floats across the river into the Red River District and they'll be static there. And uh, so while we have the concerts going on on this side, the Mardi Gras parade will, will start over there, come across the river. And, uh, and then we also have a pep rally and battle of the bands under our Texas Street Bridge next to the river in the entertainment district here. So that's always a lot of fun. And then Dan Smalley, the, the uh, finale act, will start right after the battle of the bands and the pep rally. It's a lot of fun. It's in, in a, um, an area that's uh, it's, it gets really loud and a lot of fun with the bands in there and the cheer squads in there. And uh, we, we've had a great time with that event. And this year it's enhanced even bigger. So we're looking forward to that. Missy, that food sounds amazing, and I never thought BYU and Mardi Gras would ever connect in any way ever. So this is a great situation for BYU. Uh, the Cougars are ranked 13th in the college football playoff rankings, the highest-ranked team to ever play in the Independence Bowl. What does it mean to have a team like that in the bowl game? Well, it means everything to us. I mean, it's it, it, that's you know part of the marketing plan right now. It's, it's what we throw out there. It's a, it's a program with national prominence every year and even more so enhanced this year because of the ranking in the team. So everybody's always interested in bowl payouts and money and finances and how that all works for teams. With the Independence Bowl, how does the bowl payout work? How do ticket sales factor into that? Uh, because, uh, quite frankly, we ourselves in Studio B are, are wondering how that all factors in. Well, we don't, because of confidentiality and agreements, we don't throw numbers out there. But what I can say is that the tickets – we, we sent uh, thousands of tickets out Monday after or Monday morning to BYU. They keep all the revenue off of the ticket sales and we're prepared if there's a need for more tickets to send those to. Um, so it's a combination of, um, of cash and, and ticket value and keeping the revenue off of those tickets. What, sorry, Jerem, what does the game mean to the community of Shreveport and how does it help in that regard? Well, you know, bowl games are, are seen as um, festivals, events, uh, you know, for example, for us, we do a number of events throughout the year, um, youth clinics, tennis tournaments, kickoff dinners, bringing in high profile speakers. Uh, we did a flag football uh, fundraiser this year for local nonprofits. 
But for us, it's the culmination of everything that we do throughout the year coming together in this one week of festivities. It's economic impact. It's, uh, you know, filling up hotel rooms in what is traditionally the slowest uh, season for hotels in just about any market. And it's bringing people in who maybe have preconceived notions, who've heard certain things, but they've never actually been here and showing them the hospitality that we have to offer in this area. And uh, so it means a lot to us. We've been around for 45 years. We're the 11th oldest bowl game out there. Mm. And it means a lot to this community and the people here. Let's talk about the bowl swag for the players. What kind of uh, swag are they getting this year? Well, they get uh, the traditional bowl watches. Uh, and then I think it's a fossil watch and we do logoed footballs for them. We do these, um, beanies that they'll get more use out of at BYU than they will here. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> especially during bowl week, there won't be a need for them. And, uh, and then we also do the gift suites where they can go through, um, it, our partner will uh, go on campus and set it up. And there's a few hundred items that they can choose from there. It's on a point system. So they go in there and they can choose different items, you know, some of the players get stuff for themselves and some of them will use it for Christmas presents for their family. Um, so it's a pretty cool thing to see them go through the bowl suite if they do it here or on site at their schools. Missy Setters is the executive director of the Independence Bowl. She's with us on BYU Sports Nation. Obviously, Missy, you're very well tuned into how BYU brings fans and uh, how many tickets they can sell. What type of a turnout do you expect between both fan bases for the 2021 edition of the Independence Bowl? Well, I hope it's going to be strong. Yes, we we know what it, what it's like for BYU fan bases to travel. Um, I was in New Orleans in 2017 when BYU played LSU, and BYU fans were everywhere. Everywhere we went, it was packed with BYU fans. So we're looking forward to that and hosting the fans and hosting the team here. Uh, as far as UAB, it's only six hours down the road. It's an easy trip down I-20. So we, we're hopeful that they will have a strong contingent of fans here too. We do believe BYU will cross the 50, unlike the 2017 game against LSU Missy. That's the good news. <laughs> well, I'm still hurting from a 2012 game where LSU didn't cross the, uh, the 50. <laughs> <laughs> it happens. <laughs> Missy, it's great to talk to you. We appreciate the time and the insight. We look forward to a fun time in Shreveport, Louisiana. Thank you. Y'all take care. I'm ready for that Tex-Mex, Jerem. That sounds amazing right now. We yeah. get hungry at the end of the show, typically, like a little pre-lunch hunger. But, yeah, it's going to be a fun time for uh, the team down there. Look, New Year's Six would have been awesome. Just do the, have the best of the situation. Go and win that game. Have a good time in Louisiana. Different kind of situation. That'll be great. Yeah, be awesome. it, it wouldn't hurt to put a beat down on UAB and have a couple of teams ahead of BYU in the AP poll lose, and you finish as a top-10 team. I believe that will happen. There's too many top-10 matchups for that not to happen. Let's go. Coming up, Rise of Chow, to one of Jack DeMuni's nephews, so it could be anybody. <laughs> Literally billions of people. <laughs> Plus, we have to uh, recap our double-down results. That's It's in the contract. Yeah. This is BYU Sports Nation. I think I have the power pellet right now. This portion of BYU Sports Nation is presented by Mountain America, the official credit union of BYU Athletics. BYU Sports Nation always available on demand via the BYU TV and BYU radio apps. That wasn't a switch like I thought it was. I was trying to make sound effects. Or download the podcast. Just Google BYU Sports Nation podcast. Subscribe, rate, interview, scoring update. BYU is getting blown out 24-12 and set four. To set five we go in a moment. Ooh, first to 15. Anything goes. Come on, ladies. You can do it. 
Uh, BYU women's volleyball getting blown out in set four like I'm getting blown out in our double down picks. With that said, let's recap what happened last night. Jaron, lead us off. Number one, Justin Bain won't, uh, you know, will combine for less than 30 rebounds slash points. Okay. He had 27 total. So he had he had 16 points at halftime. I was nervous. BYU held him to four points, three rebounds in the second half. So I get the point. And then BYU covers six and a half points. I felt like BYU was going to win by seven plus. I get three points again. If anyone wants to go to Vegas with me, just hit me up. Okay, uh, I've got to go head to head with you to try and make up ground in this. Like a like a bunch of mountain rams. So you said BYU would cover. Yeah. Uh, by necessity, I said, okay, BYU, it's going to be within six points. I respect that, the effort. That did not happen. Yeah. BYU won by 11. Though yeah. it did get a little interesting with about four minutes to play. When Utah State did cut it to five, I was like, oh, wow. Okay. But BYU took care of business, and Utah State didn't make free throws. Yeah. Number two, Rock. BYU will hold Justin Bean to 17 or fewer points. 17 minus. Um, as you just said, he, he scored 20. It's 16 and a half time. You were in trouble. Yeah. Too many dunks from Brother Bean. Well, he had a big first half, and I knew I was in big trouble at that point. Yeah. So the updated standings now find you with 18 points, Jim. And uh, it doesn't matter what happens after that. You've got 18. <laughs> you have five. The guest has four. You're really competing with New season with when conference play starts, Jerem. <laughs> Says every team that sucks. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you climb back in. Don't worry, man. It's early. Oh, I, I appreciate that. Yeah. All right, Jerem. Uh, now for our elite voice of the day. Yeah. And um, uh, my screen just disappeared on me. So okay, do you want to what read would that? be your pitch just to went away. Sitake it just went away. to convince him to remain at BYU? Our elite voice of the day presented by Sundance Mountain Resort. Nate Paskett on Twitter. Starting in January, there will be Kalani Satake Road available at the Creamery. Is there a better pitch than that? Ooh. That's pretty good. I don't think he makes money off it, but maybe he needs He's it. got his own ice cream. Come on. Today's Rising going to give him his own ice cream. The, the show does as well. Blue goggles. Go check it out. Today's Rise and Shoutouts are presented by Mountain America, the official credit union of BYU Athletics. Yeah, I'm back, by the way. You're back. back. Hi. Yeah. Women's volleyball. They're playing right now. Let's go. Set five coming up. Good luck to the ladies. Yep. Uh, and I, I want to give it to uh, Caleb Loner's fans. Uh, a group of young ladies produced an elite sign last night, Jeremy. <laughs> That's <laughs> the awesome, Statue man. David with uh, Caleb Loner. Fantastic stuff. That's amazing. Our thanks to today's guests, Trevin Nell and Missy Setters. No time for Dennis. Sorry, buddy. Good luck to volleyball. Let's go. Come set on. Five set coming five. Up. First go. to 15. Let's go. For Jeremiah, I'm Spencer. Shout out to Mark Hesloff. We'll see you tomorrow on BYU Sports Nation. Hopefully uh, reporting on BYU women's volleyball into the Elite Eight. Go Cougs. Come on, baby.